Hey, before we get started, I just want to I just want to kind of give you a, a little background that I'm seeing and that we was experiencing in the prayer room before we read. We're talking about Paul. All right. This guy received the good news and he's declaring it to everybody he comes in contact with in every city. He's been beaten for it. He's died for it. He has been ridiculed for it. Actually, in Acts chapter 17, right before we read this, he was ridiculed for talking about the resurrection because it's foolishness to some people. So as we read this, keep that in mind. This guy, well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse, verse 2, I believe it was, that he's, he's coming to this place in fear and in trembling. So let's read. After this, he left Athens, where he was ridiculed, and went to Corinth, where he's trembling in fear, right? And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all of the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned, keep in mind, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. But when his help came, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook his clothes and told them, your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there, and he went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, along with the whole, his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Yeah, so whoa. Okay, let's try that nice and slow ease into this. So now that as you are seated, let's go ahead and pray some more. So God, just pray that you tune my heart into you today. Would you pray that? God, that I would hear exactly from your word what you want me to hear this morning, oh God. Stir my affections for you and for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit this morning, O oh God. Open my spiritual eyes and ears. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we're not talking about spiritually thriving. We're just talking about surviving. Sometimes, man, life can get really, really tough. So my question for you this morning is, do you believe that the Bible is the inerrant, authoritative word of God? 
So good, so we got a good premise to work from then. If we believe that about the Bible, then I wanna show you a familiar verse, and I wanna show you to you, I'm mean, starting off putting myself to the test by reading Greek, but I want you to show you Romans 8.28. You may be very familiar with this verse, but I want you to remember what I've told you about Greek before. The words order, the word order in the text tells you the value of the word. So when you start off, the first words, when you're reading a Greek sentence, those first words, those are the most important words. That sets the whole tone for the whole verse, okay? So here it is. Here's what it says. It says right here, Aduan, it said, we know that for those who love, agape son, right here, agape son, agape, those who love God, we start off. So I'm asking you this morning, do you love the Lord? Yes. I mean, that's, that's the premise right there. It's, this is for those who love the Lord, Okay? So you're sitting this morning, you say, man, yes, I do love the Lord. Then here's the good news. Then it says, all is working together. All, everything is working together. All this is present active. It's working. It's always weaving. It doesn't matter where you move. This is working together. All is working together for the good right here. To those who are his purpose called. So this morning, here's good news for you. You say, yes, I do love the Lord. It doesn't say that things are all good, but it says that God is weaving. Wherever you're at, whatever part in your life, I mean, it's, it may not seem good right now, and what has happened may not seem like it was good, but here's what the promise is, that God is weaving it all together. Wherever you move, wherever you look from, doesn't really matter. God is weaving and working, and he's working it out, okay, for your good. His glory, your sanctification. Now, we got some tough things that we face in this life. Debt, divorce, disease, and death. As we talk about these four pillars, man, these things right here, they can kind of, they, I mean, the foundation is Christ. There's no other foundation that has been laid other than Christ Jesus, okay? So, but these things right here can try to destroy you. These four Ds right here, let me ask you something. Have you dealt with any of those? Maybe right now you might be dealing with some, one, or more of those right now. Well, if you say, man, that is, that's me right now. I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with something right here on that list. Then I got good news for you today. You're in the right place. Because today, the Word of God is going to give us some encouragement. You just heard Patrick read this text. And it said that we're talking about Paul after he left Athens. See, when he was in Athens, Athens was the most affluent. You could might say, people would say that it was the best city on the face of the earth. But we could say that this is where Paul had the most trouble as far as like ministry, getting traction. This is one of the only places where he leaves and he's not leaving a church behind. And it says that, there's no indication that anybody's with him. It's singular, he, that he, no one knows why he got on this boat and why he went alone and he landed in Corinth. Now see, here's our problem today. Is that whenever we say Corinth, we think of our Bible, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Okay? When we think of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we think of this must be a good place since the Bible's named after it. But it's quite the opposite. Corinth was like... Vegas. Corinth was like Sodom and Gomorrah. Matter of fact, if you wanted to, back in this time, if, if someone was going to say something degrading about someone else, they would call them a Corinthian. Now, why on earth, my question is, 
why would the Apostle Paul get on a boat by himself and go to one of the worst places on the face of the earth? Goes from what we consider the best, least success, and he goes to one of the worst places. So I want you to understand something. That day when he stepped off that boat, see, we think of, we think of the Apostle Paul as like Superman, man, that he ate, ate bullets and just shot them out of his mouth and that nothing could ever rattle this dude. But you gotta understand something. He was human just like you and I. He had struggles just like you do. So when he steps off that boat on that day, this is a rough time in his life. Matter of fact, he said later, as he's writing the Corinthians, he said, when I came to you, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul, when he got off that day, listen, this is one of the worst times in his life. He is shaking. He said, I'm physically trembling. I'm trembling as I he's walking around, and he's thinking, he's looking at this overwhelming place. I mean, listen, the, the thing about this is that he was feeling dejected, discouraged, worn out, alone, and he was out of money. Can anybody relate this morning? Amen. You ever been down that road? You ever got that? I mean, it's like, man, it's, it's just, I don't know. See, listen, I, I remember a time in my life where I was at a point where I was like, I, was, I stepped back and I was thinking, I was running heavy equipment, and I thought, you know what? I haven't even spoken to someone in four days. Have you ever been in that place? I, I had not seen anyone face-to-face to where I said hi to them, spoke a word. It had been four days since I, some of y'all were like, man, that'd be great. I'd love that. But I mean, that was weird for me. And see, this is where he is. He's alone in this. I mean, it's like... Everything, you look at this, all this momentum he's had, all of a sudden, it's just all seemed to come unraveled, and he lands in Corinth. Has life ever come unraveled on you? Oh, yeah. Well, you have to understand something. This, if you, if you got any of this, or you felt any of this, then you can relate to this story today. See, the thing about Corinth we have to understand is, is that it was just this little bitty piece of land right here between these two oceans right here. And what happened is, is that everybody that's coming from the east, everybody coming from the west, they went right through here and they would bring, they, they would take their ships at this time. They built like a little railway that they put their boats on and they would take the boats over land. So the, why they would do that is because here it is, because this would keep them from going all the way around here. And they say, and I don't know because I've never been there, but they say that this right here is one of the most treacherous parts of seafare out there in that whole Mediterranean Sea. So it was a good thing to go through here. Everybody coming from Rome would come through here. Everybody coming from over this side and Israel and all that would all go right through that little. So you got all these cultures, everything merging right into this one place. And you know what their number one industry was? Prostitution. All these sailors coming in there. And then I mean, they had the Adaphroditus God up there, up on the hill. Right there. When you looked up there from the, on the hill, it had her temple up there, and she was a fertility goddess. And all of these prostitutes would come out. When the sun would go down, they would all come down into the city. This was a bad place. And here's what I'm, here's what I'm telling you this morning, is that the Apostle Paul was in a bad place. Not just... Not just emotionally, not just spiritually, not just mentally, but also physically at this time. And he needs some help. He's just trying to survive. Is anybody in the church with me this morning? Where he found, oh, a fellow Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, 
who had recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to get out of Rome because they hated the Jews. Do you know why they hated the Jews? Because this is so interesting to me. Because every time the Jews came into a culture or to a city or whatever, they started making money like crazy. It's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, it's just like they prosper everywhere, and everybody gets jealous, and everybody wants to run out, and they, they don't like them. And so but over here, they, I mean, they're wanting to get them out of Rome. So here's what you have to understand. These people got uprooted out of their home. They ended up in Corinth. Paul is further away from home than he's probably been his whole life. And here he is in Corinth, and he gets lucky. Y'all should be laughing right there. That's a joke. Okay. He didn't, there's, there's no luck about this. It's called providence, pro video, to see beforehand. God is providence right here brings Paul. Man, this dude that is scraping rock bottom, he needs some people in his life. And he brings some people right here. And he came to them, and here's what happens. See, we're going to look at sightings of grace, because sometimes you need to be seeing the grace of God in your life. Amen? Here, God provided Paul with new life. These are this isn't just some people he meets and go hang out with. These are new, lifelong friends. You read your Bible. Look at this. This is what he says in Romans. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks. And you get down to the very end of his life. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4. And look who he's still talking about. Man, this was a good gift from God to his life. And since they were of the same occupation, tent makers, by trade, and not only do they relate to each other, but now they can work together also. Did I tell y'all he was broke? Yeah. See, when you're broke, you need a job. Here he goes. Now, he stayed with them, and he worked. There's another signing of grace. God provided Paul with a job. Then he went down on the Sabbath to the synagogue. Every Sabbath he went down there and he, so Luke's telling us, man, he was trying to persuade both Jews and Greeks. It was not working. Wait a second, you're talking about the apostle Paul? He goes down there and he's, he's teaching and he's persuading them and it's not working? No, it's not working. He's trying to persuade them. Now, now the, the, what's happening here is, is that the Holy Spirit's not working in this yet. No, I mean, even when the Apostle Paul comes in there, I mean, this great orator, I mean, in my opinion, greatest Christian who ever lived. I don't know. That's just my opinion. He goes in there, and he's trying to persuade them, and no one, it is not working because apart from the Holy Spirit, no one gets it. Oh, see, remember he left Silas and Timothy behind in Macedonia? He left them behind. That's why he's by himself. So they're back there trying to strengthen up the churches, Church of Philippi, the Thessalonican churches. All this, they're trying to strengthen them up, you know, because that's why they stayed behind. And Paul went out alone. Paul, listen, be careful when you strike out alone. Be careful when you end up when you find yourself isolated. When you find yourself isolated then you have compromised yourself. You, every time I hear of a pastor falling, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call that, every time I hear a story of some pastor doing something stupid, you know, running off with the secretary or the whatever, when I hear that, I think he was isolated. 
He, he did not have somebody holding his hand to the fire. And that is the most dangerous place that any of us can be. Look at this. Here's what he says to Philippians. So this is Silas and Timothy coming through from Philippian church, that whole Macedonian area. He said, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help. Did I tell y'all he was broke? He's like, man, what? It's a big deal about money. Well, look at this. Money's not a big deal until you're broke. God provided Paul with encouragement and financial resources because here's what happened. Whenever they showed up, look at this. He's not tent making anymore. Now he devoted himself to the word and testified. Now he's, he's devoting himself to preaching the word. Interesting thing right here is sunexo. It's a Greek word. Sunexo, that means to be compelled, hard pressed. It's like, man, all of a sudden, it's like tent making went on the back burner. And now he goes and he has pushed and compelled. This means to be picked up and to be carried forcefully along in a direction. I'll show you another place where this word shows up. For the love of Christ soon echo compels it lifts us up and it carries us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all jesus christ died for everybody therefore all of us i am crucified with christ and i no longer live can somebody quote that with me what is that what, what verse is that oh man some people go to church here all right praise the lord galatians 2 20 dying to myself we have all died. It's not about me anymore. Now, when they resisted, man, this is an interesting Greek word once again right here. And what this means is it means to, it's a military term, to form a line against, to take a, 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 a front all together and say, we are against this. When they resisted and they blasphemed, man, not working too good for Paul so far, right? Now, listen. He just came from Athens where it did not work. He shows up in Corinth and he's teaching and it's not working. So what do you think is going through his mind right now? Man, I mean, if I was in his shoes, I'd be thinking, I must be doing something wrong. This was working then, but it's not working now. Wasn't working at Athens and it's not working in Corinth. Something is wrong. What do you think wrong? Was there anything wrong? It just wasn't time yet. It's taking time to gain traction. See, here's our problem. We live in a microwavable culture where we don't understand what our great-grandparents understand that went out there, they didn't go to the grocery store and get their food and put it in a microwave, put it in a freezer, put it in a microwave and eat it right now. They went out, they planted the seed, and they prayed that God would water the seed. They prayed for good weather, and they had to wait and cultivate that. We don't do that today. Man, I don't know anything about that. Oh, man, I go to the grocery store and the, the thing that I love the most sitting on the shelf, I have a pity party and cry a little bit. <laughs> Microwave breaks down, we're going to starve, I guess. <laughs> they resisted, they blatted, not working out too quickly for him. So here's what he did. He shook out his clothes. <laughs> so... He comes walking out of the synagogue, takes off that outer cloak, and gets out there in front of them. Listen, here's the thing about the dude. He is, he is, I mean, like, he does things that will get the normal person killed. Takes that right there in front of them, just shakes his clothes out. See, now, 
To them, what that meant was is that if a Jew, when you went through a Gentile country, when you got to the border and you got to the other side of the border, you took your clothes and you shook all the Gentile dirt off so none of their junk would be on you. These, non, these non-believers, because they are, they are non-covenantial people. We are covenantial people, so we don't even want their junk on us. Shake it all off. See, some of y'all need to shake off some of the junk of the world. Some of y'all are carrying some stuff from some people you shouldn't be carrying. Amen. It needs to be shaken off your soul. So when he shakes it off, what he's saying is, is that, oh, no, you're not covenant people anymore. You're, you're like non-believers. That was, okay, so listen, I mean, he's not winning friends right here on this one, okay? They're not all like walking out going, oh, man, well, thank you for doing that. We believe in Jesus now. Quite the opposite. And he said, quote, your blood is on your own heads. Man, I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He's quoting Ezekiel 3, 18 through 19. And it says pretty much that you have to warn those who are guilty. And if you warn the ones who are guilty and they still sin, then their blood's on their own heads and and you're innocent of their blood. So he left there and he went to the household of a man named Titius Justice, who worshiped, a worshiper of God, whose house (laughs) was next door. So he shakes it all off and has them all mad at him, and he just like, (laughs) goes next door. Are you kidding me? We're not talking about down the street or across town. He just goes next door. I mean, they're all standing out there mad and grinding their teeth and watching him go, we just went next door. To the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue. What? Oh, we're starting to gain traction now. He believed in the Holy Spirit works of all people, the leader of the synagogue. Along with his whole household. Look at this. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, they believed, and they were baptized. All of a sudden, this gaining traction. It's not all of a sudden. This could have been a year down the road. See, we reread this in a few sentences and a few verses, and we think this all happened within the same day or a couple of days. It could have been a year, months and months and months before this happened. But now it's, it's gaining traction now. Many. Oh, man, i got another side. i got grace right here. God provided an onrush of conversions, which birthed the church at Corinth. Do you think now that maybe our man, the Apostle Paul, is feeling better about being in Corinth? Here's what he said later on. He said, but I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius. So he didn't go around baptizing everybody. But here's the thing. The synagogue leader baptized that dude. It's kind of like, y'all get out of the way. I'm baptizing this dude, all right? And the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Now, many theologians believe that he had a night vision because he couldn't sleep. Because of all the stuff he was going through, he's having a hard time sleeping at night. Can anybody relate in the church this morning? But see, God's going to come to him, and God's going to speak to him right here in this time. Here's what it, listen. Don't be afraid. Could be translated, stop Fearing. Stop fearing 
but keep on speaking. That's what in the Greek, that's what it says. Stop fearing, but keep on keeping on. And don't be silent. There's another side of grace right here. God commanded Paul to be courageous and not to give up. Listen, church, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Listen, you might be on the verge of giving up. You might be discouraged. You might, you might feel like everything that you're doing is a coming unraveled that's not working. You may feel like that God isn't using you like you want God to use you. You may feel like your marriage isn't working out the way you think it should work out. You may feel like your kids aren't turning out the way you thought they would turn out. You're jo- on and on and on, and you're right on the verge of giving up. Do not. Man, that message for you today. Do not give up. Listen, how many of y'all been shoulder to shoulder with somebody and they gave up on you? Hmm? Don't be that person. Keep on keeping on. Now I think back about Elijah. Elijah was the was the man, the prophet of God who brought the greatest revival in Israel's history. On Mount Carmel. Whenever he had the greatest revival in Israel's history, Jezebel said, man, listen, I'm going to wipe you out tomorrow. I'm going to take your head off. And they said that he took off running in fear. He ran, he ran, he ran, he ran, he ran. And he got to the point to where he called his servant, he turned to his servant, he said, you stay here, I'm going by myself. Isolated himself. And when he got out there by himself, that's where the angel came to him and made him the angel food cake. You know the story? Well, if you don't, that's what happened. See, God had already provided for him. When, when, he, when he spoke up to Ahab, God had provided for him through a brook and through a raven. And, and then from there, that, that brook dried up. The raven stopped coming. So then he goes to a widow of Zarephath, which was Ahab's hometown, by the way. And the widow who's about to starve to death has that one child, you know, she comes out there and she says, she has nothing. And, 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 she, and he says, go fix me a, a cake of food and a little bit, bring me a jar of water. And, and God sustained him. You know, she'd go back to that barrel every day and there'd be more meal there to make more food. Just enough for the day. And the whole sermon right there, we got to let that rabbit run. And now an angel, and here, listen, but whenever he hits the lowest point, He ends out in the cave all by himself, nobody else around, he's isolated. See, his problem was discouragement and isolation was his greatest problems for Elijah. When he ends out up there in that cave, you know how it goes? If you don't know how it goes, what happens is all of a sudden there's a mighty wind. They said, the Lord's not in the wind. There's a mighty earthquake, and the Lord's not in the earthquake. A mighty fire, and the, the Lord is not in the fire. But then what comes? And God was in that. And God spoke to him right there at his loneliest, worst part. Didn't send an angel. Didn't send a ray. God himself came to him and spoke to him in that intimate moment. You know what he told him? Go. Go anoint Jehu. Go anoint Elijah. Go get around to the people and anoint them. They're going to take up that work. Don't stay isolated here anymore. Maybe that message is for you. Have you, or listen. Do you, do you realize this, that your flesh wants you to be isolated? Sure. You know that? And, and listen, the world and the devil and, the, and your flesh are all working together. Won't you think that everybody's turned against you? There's no hope. It's all, you're on your own, whatever it is. And so you will isolate. Listen, here's the message today. Do not isolate. 
It goes back to Paul right here, and he says, For I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. Hmm. That's promise. I'm with you. Protection. No one's going to touch you, and I got many people. Listen, but what he's saying is this, too. He's saying, Go out there and share that gospel message because there's a whole bunch of people out there. They have got a divot in their heart that's a, the shape of a cross, and they're just waiting for you to share the gospel because they're about to get saved. Whole bunch of people out there. Go share the gospel. So, look at this. Whenever the nation of Israel, I don't know if you've ever, man, this has slipped by me for years and years and years. It's so good. When the nation of Israel is leaving Egypt, they, I mean, the Egyptians are like, leave, get out of here. The women are going and gathering up all their jewelry and throwing it out there to the, to the Israelite women. Just go, take it, get out of here. And it says that as they're leaving, it said that not even a dog will bark against either people or animals. All the Egyptian dogs were held silent. That's more fascinating to me. It is you, I can tell. I was like, and, and by the way, you remember me telling y'all about my neighbor's dog? He hadn't barked at me since I preached that sermon. I don't know what that means. You can make it that whatever you want. I'll probably go home today and he'll have a fit barking at me, but like, that dude just stopped barking. I don't know. Okay, so here's one of the most fascinating words. I'm about to show you something I don't know what to do with, Okay. I mean, like when I found this, I was like, I don't know if I want to show that because I don't know what to do with it. But I feel like I need to show it to you. And we'll just pray the Holy Spirit will help us deal with it whatever way we need to deal with it. We got something right here that's almost impossible for us to translate into English, okay? Because it's a problem for us in English. It's a problem for us theologically too. Are you ready for this? You ready for a problem? He, verse 11, we've always translated, he stayed there, he lived there, all that kind of stuff, that is not a good translation of kathazo, okay? Kathazo is a word that's used when a king sits on the throne. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I said too, D. I was just like, I read it, I was like, wait a second, what's kathazo doing? This is Apostle Paul and Carl. What's kathazo doing there? Just, here's kathazo. What do you want, he asked her. Promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine will set Quathazo on one on your right, one on the other in your, in your kingdom. Give my sons places, seats of authority to reign and rule with you. So the Lord Jesus, after speaking to them, he was taken up to heaven and Quathazo at the right hand, reigning and ruling. The son of his radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sin, he cathazo at the right hand of the majesty on high. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and cathazo him at his right hand in heavens. And look at this. This is not cathazo. Ephesians 2, 6, we're seated, we're raised up with him and seated, seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. That's not cathazo for me and you, by the way. That's sug cathazo, set with, okay? So we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Cathazos were the ruler sets, okay? 
So whenever it says that, I mean, like, there's so many other words Luke could have written down when he said that, that, you know, Paul stayed in Corinth other than Cathazo. So what does it mean that he took Cathazo in Corinth? It means the kingdom of God's coming to Corinth. So, man, that's a major encouragement right there. When, when, when you would think the last place on the face of the earth, I mean, like, if you're, if, when, when you're sitting out there before he goes on this journey, he, he's going to go to Athens, and then he's going to go to Corinth. Wait, oh, Athens, that's going to be good. Philosophers live there, highly educated people. That gospel will go good there. Corinth, <laughs> yeah, that's bad. And it's, flip, it's just the opposite. Of all, the, I mean, you would think that Corinth is a God-forsaken place on the face of the earth, and that's where it catches traction the best. Y'all need some encouragement this morning? Does anybody in the church need encouragement this morning? The Bible's full of it. Look at this. Because we need some sightings of grace this morning, Lord. Because here's what happens is, is that we don't see God's grace in our day-to-day life like we should. We see the problems, we see the heartaches, we see the things that aren't taking traction, we see the things that aren't going right, we see the things that that aren't going the way we think they should, so we're not really seeing our sightings of grace are few and far in between when they're all around us. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. So let me ask you a question. If you know that God is present with you and that God is for you. Does that change things? Does it change things for you to know that God is on your side? That he is is working all things out for your good? Does that change things? Does that change your fear the way the fear of right now, this fear of whatever it is, that anxiety that you have in your heart right now, does that change that? Don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, for the king, his hand, his right hand, with his hand of victory. Anybody, his right hand was the one that was a co-regent with him. The one that's ruling, man, when he's ruling and reigning in victory, his, his right hand symbolizes his victory and his power. See, I'll hold you up with my victory. Has Jesus been victorious over sin, death, the devil, the grave? Brought Satan on a parade right down through downtown that he is a defeated enemy. He is victorious. He said, I am with you. Don't be discouraged. Now, I'm preaching to myself right now. That's my biggest problem. Or I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Anybody going through deep waters today? When you go, don't say if. When you go through deep waters, man, I will be with you. The Lord is with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, anybody going through rivers of difficulty this morning, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. 
So Joshua comes up to the edge of the promised land. Moses has died. Joshua's been appointed the new leader of Israel. Here's what God says to Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Does that sound like the same promise God gave Paul and Corinth? No one's going to stand against you? Same promise, isn't it? You know, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ, right? You know that? I will be with you. Man, there it is again. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you or abandon you. Just skipping down to verse 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged. Man, there it is again. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Are you in Christ Jesus today? If you're in Christ Jesus today, then I got good news for you today. That means the Holy Spirit's inside of you and you can't get away from him. He's with you everywhere you go. Now that may be bad news to you, but it should be good news. Four pillars of spiritual survival. It's not exhaustive lists. This is something I would say at 53 years old, been following the Lord since I was 11 years old. This is where I'm at. Take it or leave it. Number one, surrender to the kingdom, authority, rule of Jesus. There's no way I can do that without praying. Every single day. Surrender, man. Listen, I come under your kingdom, authority, rule. I don't command his kingdom, authority, rule over me. I don't command God to anything. I ask if I can come under his kingdom, authority, rule today. If my marriage can, if my children can, if my, my health can, if my house can, if the elders can, if the staff can, if the whole church, everybody who came to church this past Sunday morning, Lord, I pray they will come under your kingdom, authority, rule today, that you will put a shield of protection around them, that you will walk with them through this day. That's your bonus for coming to church on Sunday, by the way. Number two, man, listen. So I've been going to Bible college for a long time. I mean, like I, I, was, I have taken four years of Bible college and spread them out over 20 years. I have, you know, what happens is, is that you study theology, you study theology, then you come back a few years later, all those don't count anymore, you gotta take theology again. I have taken theology like four times, three or four times. The last time, I went, and I remember I forget, I was thinking, oh man, systematic theology, ugh. And I sat down there, opened up that book, Grudem Systematic Theology, never read it before. Here's what I will tell you. My expectation was is this was gonna be another terrible theology class. It changed my life. I was shocked because it brought me comfort and peace when I studied about the sovereignty of God. I mean, like, I'm like, everybody needs to know this. I should tell everybody about this. So when I say study, and this is Bible study right here, of course, but I mean, I'm studying, I'm learning about that God's in control. How many times y'all heard me say, nothing can come into my life unless it first goes through the hand of God. If it goes through his hand, it comes with great meaning and purpose. That's what I learned from studying Grudem's systematic theology. So when I read the Bible now, I read through the lens of God's sovereignty, and it brings me comfort and peace when everything is falling apart, man, when I'm just hanging on, just trying to survive. Number three, pursue holiness, which brings peace with God and others. Anytime we use this word right here, we think about it the wrong way in church. <clears throat> it aggravates me. We think, oh, you're holier than thou. Man, that's straight from the pit of hell. It smells like smoke. Okay? 
Holiness does not mean you are perfect. Holiness means you are forgiven. It means that you live in a state of asking for forgiveness and repentance. It's that you, you understand that your position in Christ and your identity in Christ is all based on his goodness and his perfection. Holiness is whenever I turn away from my sin and I pursue Jesus. See, that's why it says pursue holiness. When I've got that, man, I'm at peace with God. And when I'm at peace with God, I'm at peace with myself. And when I'm at peace with God, peace with myself, then I'm at peace with everybody else. Number four, seek out accountable relationships with like-minded believers. <laughs> that sounds like something that comes from the Bridge Fellowship, doesn't it? <laughs> All about those accountability partners. All about being in a small group with other people that will hold me accountable. So here's what I'm saying. I'm telling you this. If you just want to go to a church and be left alone, then We'll leave you alone, but I want to tell you this much. This, you're going to have to listen to me talk about this all the time. I will wear you smooth out. I mean, man, if I could, my dad's in heaven, bring my mom up here and sit him down and say, what was David like growing up? They'd say, David was a broken record. Over and over and over and over again. Thank God he made me that way. Because I come in here and I'm going to repeat every Sunday to you. But this is what I'm saying, dear friend, listen, in all seriousness, our problem in our culture today, this used to happen automatically with our grandparents and great-grandparents, but our culture today, we get online or whatever, and we keep everybody away, we build our big privacy fences, we spread ourselves out. We come from a culture that in the 1950s built their houses right next to the road with sidewalks going into each neighbor's house with front porches because everybody was in community together to now going out to the country and the suburbs and building our houses far away from each other with big houses and keep out signs and keep everybody away. It doesn't naturally happen anymore. So when you come here and you listen to me preach, you hear me, man, why does David, I don't want anybody knowing about my business, because here's what I want to tell you. When nobody knows about your business, that's when the devil can tempt you to go do things and get yourself in trouble. When you got somebody else and you've opened everything, listen, here's, I, I live in total freedom. Because, I mean, listen, I can hand my, my, my wife's got my, she's got the passcode to my phone, my computer and everything. And I mean, man, I, I live in total, there's nothing hidden from anybody. Nobody can come up to me and go, nobody can walk in this morning and say, let me tell you about David Yarbrough. We got him. And that they, they got me, I'd be like, you do, you're right. They're right. My wife knows, my daughter knows, my, my elders, everybody knows that matters. You can know too. Nobody's going to out me. And I live in freedom in that. For those of you that are living in isolation, you're living in bondage. We got a book out there called The Bondage Breaker. Get it. Read it. If you can't make it through, if you can't read that thing without things going nuts, give me a call. We'll work you through this, okay? So there it is. Prayer, Bible study, confession, repentance, fellowship. Man, those are things right here, man. You put all things on top of that. that I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's worship, evangelism, mission, discipleship, sanctification, all kinds of great things also. But I can't make it without these four. I know this much. Without those four pillars right there, nothing else will hold up. There'll be no evangelism. There'll be no discipleship. It will all come unraveled without those pillars right there. 
So, if you take your phone and you put the camera, you bring your, open up your camera option and you point your camera at this right here, what that will do is that will pull up a web page on your phone. Go ahead and do it. Give it a try. Take your phone out. I'll do it with you. Let's go to our open your camera up. See, somebody, somebody, somebody had an argument about bringing their phone in this morning. See, you were right. <laughs> Point that thing right there, and there comes, I just tap that right up at the top. There comes the web page. I tap on that web page, and it will take me to the connect form. I hit on the connect form. When I connect on that, now it's got all of these questions. So I'm looking at it. It said, y'all put my name in there. Go ahead and put your name in there. I promise you we're not going to ask you for money. Okay? I know when you start doing this, people are like, oh, man, they're going to try to get my money. I hope you know. If you've been coming to this church long enough, you know we're not out to get your money. We're, trying, we're out to get you connected with Jesus and one another. So you see the little red dots right there? That just means those are required fields, your phone number. If you don't mind putting in your address. Then there's this check all that apply. I dedicate my life to Jesus Christ for the first time. Or maybe I rededicated my life to Christ. Maybe you're interested in getting baptized. Maybe you want to join a home group. Still time for that. We still got a few more months of home groups before summertime hits. And some meet periodically, sometimes all through the summer. I'd like to find an accountability partner. Maybe you'd like to speak to one of the elders. Or maybe you're interested in volunteering. The Discover the Bridge on there, that's what people do. They go through that when they get ready to interested and maybe join the church. If you go through Discover the Bridge, doesn't mean you join the church. And then it's got a prayer request down there at the bottom. Here's what I want to ask you to do. If you fill that out, you, if you've got, you you got anybody you need prayer, put that in there and hit submit. Maybe you just want us praying for you. I'll be praying for you. I'll give it to Dee and the prayer team this week, and they'll be praying for you. Maybe you've got somebody that you know they need prayer. Put their name in there, whatever request you have for them. Maybe you need to know, maybe you man, I, I need to be saved. Put that in there, and I need salvation. That also goes for I dedicated my life to Christ for the first time. That means you're coming under his kingdom authority. It means you're asking him for salvation. Next week when you come back, we're going to be, hopefully, our plan is to be handing you out little cards also. If you don't want to do this digitally, you can put in a card. We'll have a, we'll have a box for you. That's what the plan is. You know how plans are. Right? Some Bible says something about plans, right? But I want to ask you to do this. Nothing else. Just put your name in there and submit it. And here's what I'll tell you. I'll pray for you this week. You don't have to put anything in their prayer request. I'll pray for you. I'll give it to Dee. I know Dee will pray for you. She'll give it to the prayer team. They better be praying for you. We are. That's right, Dee. Let's all stand this morning. So maybe you're watching online, and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, Audio team will put this online. You can also scan it online, send in your prayer requests from online. Man, or, or maybe your need for salvation or baptism, whatever it is. Man, just because you're online doesn't mean that you're not part of us. We're, we're so glad that you're joining us online. 
Give us your requests, your whatever you need. We'll be happy to do whatever we can for you as well. So you want to pray for a minute before we head out of here? So loneliness is an epidemic in our culture today. So maybe this morning you're watching online or maybe you're here and man, you are suffering from loneliness. So what now you say, God, yes, that's me. Just pray right now. Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed. God, yes, that's me. I, I am lonely. So I would just pray something like this. God, open up avenues for me to connect with other people. And maybe, maybe there's an area of your life, maybe it's at work, you feel alone. So I'd pray something like this. I'd say, God, open up the avenues for me to build a meaningful relationship with someone at work. Maybe it's at school, same thing. Maybe you feel like you don't have any rich, deep, meaningful relationships, even with your family. So God, just cultivate my relationships with my family. Just name off the people in your heart right now. Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your parents, or maybe it's your children. Just knit our hearts to you, God, and knit our hearts to each other. Maybe you're discouraged this morning. So I'll this is what I pray when I'm discouraged. God, help me. I'm listening to the wrong voices. God, help me to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. God, open my spiritual eyes and ears to what you're doing in my life, in my family, in my church, and in my community. And grant me the ability to join you in what you're doing, oh God. Man, listen, friend, as we're praying, I see the Apostle Paul getting off that boat, stepping onto the land at Corinth, and feeling so alone and so discouraged. And the Lord was right there with him, guiding him every step of the way. He didn't even know it at first. Everything he did went wrong. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you feel like everything you do is going wrong. It's falling apart. So God, help me to grant, to, to understand the promise that you've granted to me, that you're always with me. Can you pray that? 
Help me to be more aware of your presence in my life, oh God. Maybe today it might be death that's getting to you. Maybe it's, maybe you're broke. You relate to that. Pray something like, God, help me to steward everything you've given me and my kingdom purpose for a way that glorifies you. Help me steward my health, my relationships, my home, my family, and my finances, all in a way that glorifies you and brings sanctification to me. So maybe it's disease that's getting to you today. So listen, you know who you are. Let me pray for you. Scott, I pray for the ones in here today that maybe no one even knows. And their health is failing. God, I pray and I ask you to bring hope and life into their hearts and into their bodies. God, I ask you to bring them healing. God, I pray that you give them wisdom, discernment over how to join you in what you're doing in their lives. Whether it's bringing them healing or whether it's sanctifying them through this health struggle. God, help us all to hold on to that promise that regardless of where we are, that you are with us when we're in Christ Jesus. Scott, today, as we leave out, we go our separate ways, and we pray, God, that you'd help us to continue to live under your kingdom authority rule, open our eyes to the sightings of grace in our life today, O oh God. God, for the home groups, I pray for them. I pray for the people here who are not part of a home group, and they, they want to be. God, I pray that you just open up those avenues for them to get in the right home group and enjoy that, that richness of the community that we offer here. So we love you, Lord. Just stir our affections, God. Draw us to yourself. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for this day. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.